Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. The Sewer Show. Squatters and unwaged airwaves. Presenting views, news and interviews from the Centrelink queues. Information on your squatting, legal and other rights. Troublemaking news from around the world. Coming at you every Friday between 5.30 and 6.30pm on 3CR. See you back in the air here at 3CR. This is The Sewer Show, Squatter and Unwaged Airwaves. Just heard what's the, what's the score sport and... Um, as per usual, I guess we have a bit of a mixed show for you today. <laughs> yes, we do. Um, it's been actually a while since you and I have been in the studio together. A couple yep. of months, I think. Um, so I was off in Darwin before and then we had a break, I think, as well. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, together at last again. <laughs> <laughs> um, yep. I guess we wanted to start, first of all, by thanking people. Um, wanted to talk a little bit about the Anarchist Book Fair that was on this weekend, um, thanking everybody for coming. Uh, it was a really good turnout. The book fair was really good. Um, we raised – how much money did Food Not Bombs raise at the book fair? Um, so we had like a little bag sale table and about 180 bucks, I'd say, hopefully, um, and that's all going to go towards like – well, probably towards the van but also towards like – buying staples to make food with. So. Yeah. So $180 for Food Not Bombs, which is awesome. Thanks very much. Um, and the after party also raised about two and a half grand for um, the Massal Exchange, the Mapuche Aboriginal Exchange. So thanks very much for everyone for coming and spending all your money. <laughs> it was really good. Um, the other thanks we wanted to thank people for was the Radiothon. So Radiothon now is over, um, but we have succeeded in raising $246,953. Um, so thanks, everybody, and you can still donate to 3CR um, if you're interested. So, yeah, thanks very much. And thanks to everyone that donated to the Sewer Show as well, specifically all our listeners out there. We um, met our target, which is good. Hopefully they don't raise it too much next year yeah. because it was a struggle. But, um, yeah, thanks, everyone. And thanks to people who donated to other shows as well. Yep. So I guess um, on the show today we wanted to talk about a few different things. Um, so... I guess we want. I wanted to talk a little bit about West Papua. I've got an interview with Izzy Brown coming up <coughs> shortly um, about the situation in West Papua and the project, the Freedom Flotilla project that's happening um, in Darwin right now. And also, yeah, we want to talk a little bit about how people can help uh, in Melbourne. Um, we also wanted to talk a little bit about some illegal strikes that have been happening around the country recently. So the Woolworths strike and the uh, Maritime unis, Unions strike as well. So that will be coming up. Um, and maybe a little bit about unemployment and stuff like that, work for the doll. So I guess we'll 
have a short break, play a song and come back with an interview with Izzy Brown about West Papua. The Melbourne Street Medics need your help. On Saturday the 18th of July, when we took to the streets against Reclaim Australia, Victoria Police pepper sprayed the crowd. We treated more than 100 people and we're asking you to donate to help restock our kits and train up new medics. We believe in empowering people to fight for a better world. Please help us to care for those who stand up for our rights. Please go to ozcrowd.com and search for Melbourne Street Medics or go to the Melbourne Street Medics Facebook page for more information on how to donate. Hi, you're back on the air. Um, you're listening to The Sewer Show, the squatter and unwaged worker airwaves on 3CR Community Radio. Um, so I just wanted to talk a little bit about West Papua. Last night um, I had an event, I went to an event, a film screening, and I just realised that we haven't done a show or had anything on the show about West Papua, and I was wondering if listeners were interested so I thought I'd have an interview with Izzy Brown this month um, and get her to give us a bit of background information about West Papua, the situation there and um, the freedom flotilla that's happening. Um, I also went up to Darwin a couple of weeks ago for as part of the Freedom Flotilla conference that happened there. So... Um, We'll leave you now with the interview that I had with Izzy about the situation in West Papua. Hi, so today we've got Izzy Brown uh, on the phone. Um, hi, Izzy. Hey, how you doing? Good, thanks. Uh, I've got some bella in the background. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. It's not too loud. Um, I was wondering if you could talk to us a little bit about... Um, just give us a little brief summary about the situation uh, in West Papua for those listeners who don't know what's going on there. Okay, so West Papua is one of our closest neighbours. It's the western half um, of the island that has PNG, Papua New Guinea, on it. In 1961, um, the, the land that was at that stage uh, colonised by the Dutch and was going to be handed back to the indigenous West Papuans was taken over by the Indonesian military. There was a facade of a, a referendum called, or now known as the, the Act of No Choice, and um, uh, people were made at gunpoint to vote for Indonesia um, to take over West Papua, and they did that uh, with extreme military force, and that military force continues today. And you know, it's all, all related to, you know, the resources that were there and America um, knew how much gold there was or knew that there was massive gold deposits in West Papua and helped facilitate Indonesia's um, takeover of the land. And now uh, with you know, transmigration of, of migrants from Java and a huge amount of military being shipped there every month uh, they're maintaining a quite an oppressive force on the on the whole country and the indigenous people of West Papua. Mm. Um, I, I, I hear that you've t talked about the Indonesian rule there and, and a bit about the US involvement um, in, in the situation in West Papua, but actually Australia's quite involved in the situation as well. Can you talk a little bit specifically about um, the Australian government's involvement um, 
their or Australia's interests in, in the conflict? Yes, yeah, so Australia is heavily involved in the situation in Indonesia. We support Indonesia's sovereignty over West Papua. Australia also trains the Indonesian troops, um, in particular uh, Genesis 88, which are being used as like a terror squad against um, West Papuan civilians. Also, we fund um, millions of dollars in aid that is spent on military hardware that is used to suppress the West Papuan people. Mm. Uh, we also have interest in um, mining and logging over there as well. So we've got our um, teeth in pretty deep yeah. in West Papua. So, yes, it's a, big, it's a big struggle. It is a big struggle. And Australia is complicit. We are complicit in it. Um, I know that you've been working a lot on this Freedom Fro Flotilla project. Can you tell us a little bit about um, the Freedom Flotilla, what it is and, and what's coming up? The Freedom Flotilla, um, I guess, as a concept began a long time ago with Uncle Kevin Buzzacott and an Arabana elder and Jacob Rombiak, an exiled uh, political prisoner from West Papua. They got together and and had a had a vision, you know, about how the, the two countries are once connected, that um, the indigenous struggles are linked, and wanted to really kind of bring that home by reconnecting the land um, and and the people. So that happened in 2012. We got boats and we went through the desert and collected the ashes from the sacred fires of the Aboriginal Tent Embassy and Lake Eyre and also the water from the Mound Springs, which is a sacred site for Uncle Kevin, and took them on a wild boat journey across the sea um, to give to West Papuan resistant leaders and elders um, to, to yeah, reunite those struggles. And since then, we want to continue putting the pressure on and raising awareness um, about those those issues and that connection. And um, it's an Indigenous-led movement and, oh, yeah, there's definitely more adventures coming up. Yeah, I, I was there for a little bit um, in Darwin, which, yeah, it seemed like a lot of people were there to help out with the flotilla and the boats and stuff. Um, it was really good. Um, just on that, what, what do you think has, have been some of the greatest challenges so far in terms of organising the Freedom Flotilla? Um, well, I think the, for the first one, none of us knew much about sailing and none of us had ever had boats before. And so it was a real learning curve yeah, <laughs> with, I with, um, with the sailing stuff. And, you know, one crew bought a boat off eBay for three grand. They'd never sailed before and they made it all the way to Thursday Island. And, um, yeah, I knew, knew nothing <laughs> about, about boats until I got on one. So that was, that was certainly a challenge. And I guess, you know, we've... The Indonesian military had threatened to stop us. Bronwyn Bishop had given them permission to blow up the boats if they wanted. Mm. The Australian government said they'd offer no consular assistance if we were arrested. Um, yeah, there was, there was numerous obstacles and numerous challenges. And uh, we had to just... The game kept changing pretty much every step of the way and we had to be quick to be on top of that game and, yeah, kind of plot and scheme faster than them. So... Yeah, well, there was many, many challenges overcome on the way. Yeah, I heard also, I was reading just before um, you came you, you, for this interview, I was doing some research, and I, I read just recently when we were in Darwin, um, there was some solidarity or some act, um, group of activists in in West Papua 
um, and they were arrested by the Indonesian military and charged with treason for supporting the flotilla. Is that right? Did you hear that anything is. about that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've been in contact uh, with those guys in Sorong. Um, they've been... Their court cases are still pending. They okay. were charged with treason for having a prayer session for the flotilla. That's right. It was a prayer session. And it's yep. still illegal to raise the flag, isn't it, in, Indone um, in West Papua? It is. Um, uh, the, the new president of Indonesia said that they were going to change those laws, but we get to see if they actually have. There's still people in prison serving massive sentences for raising that flag, so obviously that... Um, that statement hasn't been enacted. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's one of the one of the really tricky things about the project is, and why we didn't end up landing in West Papua because of the military situation. Anyone you come in contact with, anyone that voices their opinion against the Indonesian regime, can face prison or death. So. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of factors to be aware of and kind of yeah. <laughs> work with there. Yeah. It's really tricky. Um, and finally, just if li people are listening and are really interested in this, how can people here get involved in the Freedom Flotilla Project or or in the general struggle for West Papua and independence? Yeah. Well, here in Melbourne, yeah. um, there's going to be a protest on this Saturday, uh, tomorrow at 12 o'clock um, at the State Library, so come down to that. That's going to be part of a, a day of global global solidarity for West Papua. I think there's protests happening in New York and Washington and London and, um, yeah, all, all over the world. So we're going to do just a vigil down there at the library um, to raise awareness about, um, yeah, the, the genocide that's happening. So, yeah, come down. Okay, thanks so much, Izzy. Cool. Thanks for your and time. I, yeah. Oh, and I was just thinking another way people can mm -hmm. get involved is um, there's an office for the Federated Republic of West Papua in Docklands in here in Melbourne, and every Monday is the women's office. So we're inviting women of all ages and demographics to get involved and come down and meet the West Papuan women and work with them to, yeah, try and make some change. Yep. Okay, thanks so much yeah. for your time. Cool, thank you. Thanks, Izzy. Bye. Bye. Do you have a community event or campaign you'd like to announce on radio? Maybe your group would like to take a tour of 3CR and find out how community radio works. Are you in a band and would like to record a demo? Or maybe there are people in your workplace or activist organisation who would like to undergo media skills training. 3CR is a resource for the community and offers community announcements, station tours, studio hire and media skills workshops at affordable prices. For more information, contact 3CR on 9419 8377 or go to our website www.3cr.org.au. Hello, you're back on the air listening to 3CR Community Radio. Uh, this is the sewer show, the Squatter and Unwaged Worker Airwaves. It's just coming up to about six o'clock today. Um, and before the break, you heard an interview with Izzy about the uh, situation in West Papua and the Freedom Flotilla that she's been working on. Um, so if you're interested in anything West Papua, <laughs> 
You can check out the website at www.freewestpapua.org. Um, so for sure, if people are interested in going to Darwin, if anyone has any sailing skills or boat skills, that would be really appreciated. Otherwise, you can check out the women's room in the Docklands. Um, yeah. So thanks, Izzy. Um, another thing, I guess, that came to my attention this week was uh, a strike that was happening at Woolworths in Laverton. Um and it was a, what happened was two, about 200 striking employees blocked trucks from entering or leaving a major Woolworths distribution warehouse in Laverton. Um, and these workers began the protest at about 4 a.m. on Monday amid rising anger over the attempts to introduce labour hire casualisation. So this latest illegal industrial action comes shortly after Woolworths had shut down another major distribution centre in uh, Melvin's North in Broadmeadows, where more than 600 permanent workers are preparing for possible unemployment. Um, yeah, so apparently you were saying that you think they've they won the, this strike is over and they've won the. Yep. So they um, they well yesterday afternoon um, there was an agreement between um, well a vote was held and about 70 percent of people have heard supported um, going back to work and um, so it wasn't like a 100% victory it wasn't like we will never use labour hire at this um, DLC, the distribution centre um, sorry in um, sorry in Laverton at the um, the um, distribution centre there but um, there were the agreement that like um, any agency staff that were employed would be employed on the same rates as other staff there, so they couldn't be used to undercut wages. I'm not mm. quite sure about the conditions because agency staff don't get sick pay or annual leave or anything like that. But um, that the union would be involved in what agency could be used was one of the other things that I read was um, was agreed to because um, agencies, some of them are union friendly and a lot of them aren't. Um, also that. Um, the workers that went on strike, that there'd be no repercussions for them mm. and that if there were any repercussions, that they would go back out, that they'd go back out on strike. Um, 30% of people apparently voted against it and wanted to keep striking, but um, unfortunately <laughs> they didn't win. Yeah. But, um, yeah, some more interesting stuff about that strike. It happened on the Monday morning, but on the Tuesday workers were ordered to go, um, well, basically not to go back to work necessarily, but to stop picketing, to stop... Um, to allow the trucks to enter the site, and that was by the Fair Work Commission, and um, they yeah they were ordered to immediately cease picketing, but they refused. The mm. workers like voted to keep picketing, which is great um, because that's risking big fines for themselves at the moment. You know, there's always a possibility that Woolworths might go after the union or workers, but one of the things in that agreement was that you know that they wouldn't be repercussions. So we'll see what happens. Um, in that, and also it heard that um, that site you'd mentioned that is potentially going to be closed, the distribution centre up in... Um, in Broadmeadows. Yeah, the Hume one. Mm. They, um, I think they either voted to go out on a four-hour sympathy strike or they did. I'm not, I can't quite remember which one and I couldn't find the information 
um, that I was looking for, but that's what I had heard. Yeah. And so that was also really inspiring. And there was another site as well. So I think one did go on a sympathy strike and another one voted that they would. Mm. Um, and this probably really helped in getting Woolies to back down a bit. Um, yeah, and so that was all really great to see. Yeah. Well, um, I guess the casualization of the labour force, like it w- would, have, would affect all workers at all the distribution centres if that's something that they're thinking mm. of doing. So, yeah, mm. good on them. Yeah. Um, and um, I guess that ties really well into the strike that's been happening. Well, was also, wa- ag- again, at least temporarily won on Thursday. So they both finished yesterday. Um, the one of um, dock workers who uh, um, work for Hutchison Ports in Sydney and Brisbane, 97 people out of the workforce of 224 were sacked by text telling them that, you know, they were no longer required to work to check their email and their email giving no sort of reasons or anything. Mm. And um, their final day of work was meant to be today. But again, you know, these workers were like, they were like, no, nah, went out on strike and picketed again to be like, well, you can't treat us like this. And, um, uh, you know, the MUA took them to federal court and arguing that Hutchinson had bre- breached their collective um, enterprise bargaining agreement. But um, Hutchinson, or, or, sorry, the Fair Work Commission on Monday ordered the picketing to stop. But again, the workers were like, no, you know, they voted to keep striking and to keep picketing. So there's kind of like this trend of illegal stri- in illegal industrial <laughs> action, I guess, that we've all been hoping would happen. Yeah, <laughs> and that was this a trend this week anyway. Trending, trending this week. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens next week. Mm. But, um, you know, they, it's just a temporary victory. It's the same as what's happened in Laverton. It's temporary. There's going to be probably further attempts by, well, definitely in... Um, on the ports, but attempts to keep this like casualization and trying to break the unions, sort of the unionization of those workforces. So one of the things with Hutchison's on the port is that um, the, this mass sort of sacking is, has been seen by the MUA as part of an attempt to fully automate the docks mm. to get rid of workers and to get like break union um, organizing on the site. Um, it was claimed by the MUA that most of the people sacked were union members and union or like people that were active in people the union. People active pe- union yeah. members on the um, yeah. And you know, just about Hutchinson, it's owned by the seventeenth richest person in the world, and his estimated net worth was twenty-seven billion dollars. And they were claiming that it wasn't financial to run the the pick, sorry to run the workplace to run and employ that many people, but. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens in September when they have their court case and, um, you know, there might be more pickets happening down on the docks then and further support needed. But the, um, Yeah, it sounds like there might be, particularly if it continues or if they c- yeah. Yeah, because the yeah, pickets stopped and, like, there, were, there was, like, a bit of a media event at the front of Hutchison's in Sydney today mm. with um, the MUA and um, the head of the ACTU, I think, and other people there, like, you know, talking about what's been happening. But um, I guess similarly with, like, again, if we just think about that place in Hume that's going to be shut down, um, the Woolworths factory, the warehouse, sorry, that's being moved to a different part of Melbourne as part of an attempt to de-unionise, seen by the NUW, the National Union of Workers, as an attempt to de-unionise its workforce again. 
but you know it's under the guise of like improving and modernizing the warehouse but they have to shift it across town they can't actually do that where they are yeah for some reason but um yeah so you know these workers are resisting that and it's really good to see really inspiring to see and um i spoke to i spoke to a couple of people this week who were um, picketing in brisbane and sydney and just over the phone and the this one person i spoke to in brisbane he hadn't ever been a member of a union before he'd previously been in the army he'd you know, you're not allowed to be in a union or anything in the army. And then, so he's on this work site. First time he's a member of a union and his, like, mind's been blown by, like, community support. Same as what we saw down here at the Woolies picket. Like, mm. this mass community support. So the community saying, hey, we don't think that that's an okay w way to treat your workers. And, yeah, it's inspiring. So hopefully that trend will continue. Because hopefully. it's good to see. Yeah. Um, I guess... This kind of lead, can lead us into a discussion about generally about unemployment and stuff. Like we've seen trends um, in the casualization of workforce, um, reduced pay, um, insecure work, bad working conditions, tempor temporary casual labor kind of being the thing that people want to... So, so I guess you're employed casually on a day-to-day -day basis, then there's no reason for companies to... Um, offer workers, you know, secure positions or um, sick pay, everything that goes along with that. Mm. So, and I guess all this is kind of happening at the same time as um, all these welfare reforms as well. So you've got on the one hand, yeah, a, a much more insecure workforce, higher unemployment. And now as of January, uh, sorry, July the 1st, um, with the welfare changes, work for the doll and stuff. Um, yeah, so I guess maybe we should take a, a break and play a song and we can come back and talk a little bit about um, changes to the doll and work for the doll. Over 7.5 million people tune into community radio stations around Australia each month. Just like you, they're tuning in to get diversity, alternatives and to escape from the predictability of mainstream media. It's good morning from the Concrete Gang. And we're getting stuck into the garden show. Good afternoon and welcome to Ruminations here on 3CR. Welcome to another edition of Great Voices, 3CR's classical vocal program. Good morning and welcome to the Latin American Update program, 8.55am. Every day, 3CR brings you current affairs, local music, gig guides, activist information and community views and voices. Make sure you join us. Call 9419 See you back on the air here at 3CR. This is the Sewer Show, Squatter and Unwaged Airwaves. So far on the show, we've um, had an interview with Izzy about the Freedom Flotilla and stuff that's been happening in um, West Papuan activism. And we've talked about the um, strikers in, well, Melbourne, Sydney and Brisbane striking on the docks and in the warehouses um, in breach of the decisions made by um, the, whatever they call the court, I can't even Fair remember. Work. Fair Work. Fair Australia, Work Australia, thanks. Yeah. And, um, you know, standing up for their rights and their conditions regardless of being told to stop picketing so which has all been really inspiring and that sort of leads into 
unemployment, you know, and um, fighting that and the Dole Action Group. Yeah, well, I, I guess I wanted to interview someone from the Doll Action Group this month, but hopefully we can get around to doing that next time. But, um, I mean, they've been doing quite a few actions um, in the last weeks regarding Work for the Doll, particularly the Salvation Army's um, involvement in, in Work for the Doll. Um, and I guess it does really affect not just unemployed people, but it does affect workers' rights generally um, because y- you have then I guess a slave, you know, class of workers working at very reduced rates, Mm. um, doing jobs that, you know, people could be doing for full salaries. Um, So, yeah, I guess I just wanted to talk a little bit about what what work for the doll means for people. Um, And, yeah... I guess it kind of forces unemployed people to work without pay for non-profit organisations like charities where you either work for free um, or you're kicked off unemployment payments and forced to survive with no wage at all. Um, and so from the 1st of July 2015, unemployed people under 30 will be, able to, will be forced to do 25 hours of unpaid work per week while people aged between 30 and 50 will be made to do 15 hours um, of unpaid work per week in exchange for a, a doll payment that's pretty low, below the p- poverty line. Um, and um, what my job network member told me a few weeks ago was that it w- it's not like old school work for the doll, which was for like maybe it was a couple of months. I can't remember. Yeah, that was just kind of a trial. I did that too. Yeah, this, <laughs> this was like, yeah, close to 10 years ago. Yeah. But yeah, nowadays, um, what she's told me was that it's six months on work for the doll and six months in meetings. Luckily, I lucked out. Yeah. There are people that haven't lucked out and they're doing the work for the doll right now. Um, but yeah, that's six months of it during which you meant to also look for full-time look work. Look for full-time work when clearly we're also losing full-time work because c- as we've seen with the Woolworths, people are trying to you know casual- casualise the labour force. Um the other thing that really disturbs me about the whole work for the doll thing is that organisations like the Salvos um, actually receive government subsidies worth thousands of dollars for taking part in the work for the doll scheme. Um, and actually the Salvation Army will be making profits and benefiting from the unpaid labour of unemployed people. And this actually helps to normalise unpaid work, which drags down uh, wages for all workers. You know, so this kind of... I don't know, it's a very sinister industry built, like unemployment as industry kind of um, mentality that I think is really detrimental to the to, to employment, to generally skilling up people, to, you know, providing work for people that need it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and it also places, like, you know, thinking... If we assume that groups like the Salvos have the best of intentions... Mm it's placing them in this position where they're benefiting from getting these workers in at the same time that they should be arguing against these projects because they aren't skilling up unemployed people. They're they're often humiliating or Mm. really badly disorganised and a waste of time. Um, So they're in this position where they should be arguing something, but they're actually getting this free labour that's helping them run their charity stores and do whatever else they do, which are good things that they do but they're getting this free labour from people who aren't volunteering 
they're being coerced by, the government, by, the, government. by the government to do it. <laughs> mm. So, um, you know, it's like, yeah, it puts them in this position that they shouldn't be in. Yeah. The other thing um, is that they've, <coughs> uh, recently there was some studies done, Jeff Borland and um, Wai Ping Tseng from the University of Melbourne um, have found that people being made to do work for the doll actually makes it harder for them to get a job. So um, unemployed people who are forced to do work for the doll are significantly less likely to be able to find work when compared with unemployed people who didn't do work for the doll. So it's kind of, it doesn't seem to be benefiting anyone except these job companies, work seal and job, I think it's job, I can't remember what they're called. But the job networks and Max Employment, Salvation Army, these kind of things. Mm. Um, and yeah, I mean, maybe just really quickly on that. If you're doing 25 hours a week, if you're under um, 30, or if that's what it was, you're um, probably doing five days, five hours a day. Yeah. You get tired, like if you're actually doing anything. My experience of work for the doll was stuff like making a change room at a local sports mm. ground. Fair enough, like if we weren't having to do it for work for the doll. But it was a sort of thing where there was one angle grinder and or angle grinding a door. So, yeah. you know, one person would angle grind, the rest of us would sit around. There was like three paintbrushes and seven people. So when it came to painting it, you'd have to take it in turns to paint. Mm. Like you're not learning anything. No, you're, you're not at it's all. It's just a waste of time. It's also 25 hours that you're not spending looking for a job you actually want to do. And it's also 25 hours that you're not spending, you know, studying or training for an actual job. Mm. Um yeah, it benefits nobody. Um, I guess we should stop talking so much because we've only got about 20 min- 10 minutes to go. Um, I think we should go to a song, play another song in a car and we'll come back. I've got lots of, lots of events to plug this month. So, um, yeah, we'll come back and do that. Thanks for listening. The recent devastating earthquake in Nepal has caused a massive loss of life and rendered a large number of people injured and homeless. The Nepalese Earthquake Relief and Welfare Committee is providing vital support to the relief operations in Nepal. They are appealing to all Victorians for support and assistance. You can help by providing financial support, working as a volunteer or by promoting the appeal on social media. For more information, go to 3cr.org.au or check out the Facebook page, Victorians Stand Together for Nepal. You're back in the air here on 3CR. This is the Sewer Show, Food Not Bombs version. We're quickly running out of time. We've only got about 10 minutes to go. But we were just um, talking about the Dole Action Group and the... um, picketing that's been happening the illegal picketing that we support here on this show and the um also an interview with izzy about um the freedom flotilla and west papua more generally yep and if you are interested um in anything that the doll action group is doing you can go to their website it's www.dollaction.org um they also have a facebook doll action group on facebook so you should check that out if you want to know more information about the new welfare changes um, that have come in since the 1st of July this year. Okay, so moving on, I guess we wanted to plug a few things. So, 
Um, I guess first, just if you're free tonight, it's happening right now from 4.30 till late at The Tote in Collingwood. Um, There's a show, a Palestine show, and all money raised at the show tonight goes to the Israeli Committee Against Housing Demolitions. I think John has more info about that. Also to, um, I might be saying this village name wrong, uh, the... Suzia Village Committee, um, and this is for the Palestine Peace Not Apartheid fundraiser. Um, and so, what Suzia is is this village um, that, since um, 1985, when um, Israel expelled all the Palestinians from that village um, in the occupied West Bank, um, people have attempted to rebuild their villages multiple times since then, and they've been razed, mul- like as in destroyed, multiple mm. times since then as well. And um, more recently, in May 2015, um, the the Israeli High Court um, uh, approved the demolition of Palestinian Susia again, and that was expected to leave 450 people homeless. So that's where some of the money is going, to the village committee there, and the rest of the money is going to the Israeli Committee Against Housing Demolitions and just some figures they have on their website so far this year, 294 structures have been demolished in occupied Palestinian territories. 251 people have been displaced so far this year. And since 1967, since the occupation of these Palestinian territories, 46,394 structures have been demolished mm. since then. So if you can, get down to this fundraiser and give money to these groups. Yep, so that's at the tote happening right now and tonight um, uh, in Collingwood. So the other thing was, as we've already mentioned, tomorrow, Saturday, August 15, at the State Library at 12 um, 12 o'clock in the afternoon, there's the Rally for West Papua. So for more info on West Papua, go to www.freewestpapua.org. Also tomorrow night, tomorrow, Saturday, August 15, at Hot Shots in Footscray, there's the... Um, Alterity Collective presents Where Were You in 89 Party. Um, This is an event for queer people of colour, their friends and their allies. And the party starts at 7pm till late. It's got live performances and a dance party. It's $10 entry donation and all the money raised there also goes to the Massel Exchange, which is the Mapuche Aboriginal Exchange Program that's um, currently looking for money, they're actually seeking to raise um, $60,000 on a crowdfunding site. So that's at Chuffed, if you want to check out the Massel Exchange. So tomorrow, Hot Shots. What else have we got? Um, I've got two 3CR events to plug. So Lost in Science Trivia Night, Tuesday, August 18th at the Bendigo Hotel at 6.30. Go check it out, Lost in Science. Um, there's also, for those of you in the west side, um, the Green Left radio launch um, show at Kindred Studios in Yarraville, and that's on Friday the 21st of August at 7pm. Um, also on the 22nd of August at 3pm, there's a benefit show for Save Our Forests at the Railway Hotel in Brunswick. If you're around there, check that out. And finally, uh, there's... Claire Land's Decolonizing Solidarity book launch. So that's about dilemmas and directions for supporters of Indigenous struggles. 
And that's happening on September the 3rd at 6.30pm at Readings in Carlton. So please, please, please check out one or all of those fabulous events. Mm, and there's also the Equal Love Mali- uh, just mashed my words together. <laughs> Equal Love Rally tomorrow um, at 1 o'clock at State Library. So get along there as well and, you know, reject all these, well, all these really, I'm trying not to swear on radio, all these like um, horrible homophobia that um, is being perpetuated by the government. Yep, check it out. Um, so I guess lastly, what we're going to do, we've only got a few minutes left. I'm going to leave you with a bit of info about another project that Izzy's been working on. Um, so Lizard's Revenge happened in 2012 and there's a second round two, Lizard's. Um, so we'll leave you there with Izzy, Izzy's Lizard Revenge. Hi, Izzy. Uh, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about um, the Lizard's Revenge project that you've been working on or tell us a little bit about the, the previous one. Ooh, yep. Oops, a bit noisy out here. Um, mm. Hey, so the Lizard Revenge that happened in 2012 was a massive protestable, a mixture between a festival and a protest that happened at the gates of hell at Roxy Downs Olympic Dam Uranium Mine in South Australia. It was called on by Uncle Kevin Buzzacott, who summoned everyone to come back to the land and take a stand against the nuclear industry and try and stop it where it starts. At that stage, Olympic Dam wanted to expand to be the biggest open-cut mine in the world. And some little bit of magic went down and that plan got canned. But since then, they've been working on some new and incredibly messy technology called um, heat heat extraction where they're doing it all kind of above ground in these beds and potentially, you know, contaminating large areas of land. Mm. Also in South Australia coming up, they've got a Royal Commission into uranium mining and the nuclear industry and it looks like the waste dump and reactors and all those things are all on the cards again. So it's time to get back out. So Um, round two then? (laughs) Yes, round two. The lizard, Lizard Revenge 2, the lizard bites back. So calling everyone back to the gates of hell, bring your music, bring your DIY, your own action, um, and bring yourselves our fabulous outfit for the frocks on the front line and all the gear you need for the zombie march to the gates of hell. So, yeah, yep. come on down. It's going to be epic. We'll have the DIY hi-fi solar-powered sound system and as many fans as we can... We can run before we get arrested. <laughs> uh, it should be good. It sounds like fun. So it's a call out for bands, artists, and also um, people to come and bring their own actions and stuff. Yes. Yep. So it's July yep. 1, 2016, next year? Yes, July and the 1st. July yep. 1st, yep. So where can people, is there an email or a website or Facebook that people can look up if they're interested in Lizard Bites Back? Yep. So the lizardbitesback.net should be online soon in the next couple of weeks. But in the meantime, if you're on Facebook, go to the Lizard Bites Back event page or to Lizard Revenge Community. Um, they're all online. If you search Lizard Revenge or Lizard Bites Back, you'll definitely find heaps of stuff. Check out the actions from last time. Lots of inspiring mischief and fabulous outfits. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, get inspired and, and come out to the desert. Okay. Beautiful. okay, it sounds great. So check it out on Facebook and um, Lizard's Revenge website. Excellent.
Thanks. Cool. <laughs>